0: If you're out there and you want to do something bigger or better, or if you're a little bit discontented, which is not to say that you're miserable, but maybe you just want more out of life, then you should consider a quest. And so I'm trying to tell people exactly how they can do it.
1: Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm your host, Jody Mayberry. Jared Easley is still recovering from the podcast movement conference, so I'm filling in as host. I am the Lino to his Carson. Jared sure is missing out because my guest is New York Times bestselling author and modern day explorer Chris Guillebeau. Chris is well known for writing the $100 startup and as the host of the World Domination Summit. Chris's recent speaking engagements have included Google, Facebook, Evernote, Hallmark, and Carnegie Mellon University Chris doesn't believe you have to live life the way other people expect you to Chris I'm delighted to have you on the show I'm ready to get unconventional
0: <laughs> awesome thank you Jody it's a huge honor for me
1: on starved the doubts every guest begins with the same question what is the best concert you have ever been to
0: you know Jody when I was 12 years old I got to go to a poison concert I don't know if you remember poison you know this may be taking some of the <laughs> listeners back a couple decades now But when I was 12 years old, I thought Poison was an awesome band before I grew up and realized how terrible they were. So it was a pretty exciting thing at that coming-of-age moment to go and see this, what I thought was an awesome arena rock concert at that age.
1: Good, good. I do remember Poison.
0: Brett Michaels is still out there doing some stuff, but I think the rest of the band kind of disbanded.
1: Yeah, I do see him pop up from time to time. (laughs) This next question is a blank versus blank. I will give you a couple of options, and you pick one and give us a short reason why. Morning coffee versus evening nightcap.
0: I like both of those, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with morning coffee because that's probably what's going to help me the most throughout the day.
1: Okay. When it comes to travel, which is more important, the ability to pack everything you need into a single small suitcase versus the ability to wait?
0: Definitely the first one. Definitely the first ability to pack everything in a small suitcase. I actually find that easier rather than more difficult Than much easier than carrying a bunch of stuff around.
1: Okay, we'll go on to finish this sentence. I will give you the beginning of a sentence, and would you be willing to complete it? If you need a screwdriver and don't have one handily available, you should...
0: You should ask on Twitter, because this exact scenario happened to me maybe two weeks ago, and I said, what should I do? And I got about 15 responses from use a butter knife to use a dime to all kinds of stuff. Unfortunately, none of them worked for me, and eventually I had to go out and get a screwdriver, and then I fixed solved my problem.
1: If you are making a coffee run and a friend asks you to order a vanilla mocha, you should?
0: You should apologize to the barista for doing that. You should do it, you know, for your friend, but you should apologize and explain that it's not for you. It's for your friend who knows nothing about coffee.
1: There you go. One last fun question. This one is true or false. Give your answer and a brief reason why. True or false, it is acceptable to eat more pastries for breakfast when you are in Europe. It is acceptable
0: and common and almost expected. So I say more power to you with the pastries. (laughs)
1: Good. Well, before we move on to your new book, I want to talk about the two annual conferences you host, World Domination Summit and Pioneer Nation, both in Portland. Let's say I can only attend one of those two events. How do I determine which conference is right for me?
0: Okay, that's a great question. I believe, Jody, you are at Pioneer Nation. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So you know maybe you could speak to that better than I could in some ways, but I guess World Domination Summit is our big annual gathering. It's grown quite a bit. There are now thousands of people in attendance. It's really diverse. We do a lot of different stuff. Pioneer Nation grew out of that experience to have maybe a smaller, more focused on entrepreneurship and small business gathering. So it depends on who you are and what you're looking for. WDS is our bigger show, so I guess I would probably steer people toward that, but we were thrilled to start Pioneer Nation as well. So mostly I want to just create things. Things that people enjoy and can benefit from and happy for them to do so however is best for them.
1: Good. I did enjoy Pioneer Nation. I got a lot out of it and started taking action as soon as I got home. Excellent. So, Glad to hear it. Yeah, Pioneer Nation is good in that if you want tools that you can put in right when you get back. Fantastic. Well, let's move on to your new book. This book had a lot going for it before I even started reading it. The cover is attractive, and the name, The Happiness of Pursuit, is clever, and it's a perfect description of what's in the book. We take a moment and tell us what The Happiness of Pursuit is about?
0: Sure. So over the past ten years I've been on this personal quest to visit every country in the world and as I was coming to the end of that, it's just a fantastic experience, life changing, transformative. It gave me a whole new career which was a secondary benefit because I didn't expect that at all. So I knew I wanted to write a little bit about going to every country in the world, but I also didn't want to just write a memoir. I didn't want it to just be, you know, Chris's book of travel stories. And I think that's only interesting to my grandma or something, but not necessarily, you know, to a wide community of awesome people. So I set out to study quests in general, and to learn from other people who'd undertaken quests, and to say, okay, why does someone pursue a big adventure? Why do they do something that is going to require a lot of time and probably some sacrifice or at least some trade-off in the sense that if they're going to do this thing, they're not going to be able to do a lot of other things. So I wanted to write about quests and adventure, understand why people do that, what they learn from it, how they're changed along the way, and then probably the most important thing to say is it's not just a collection of stories; it's not an academic study. The book actually presents. A pretty clear message which is that a quest can improve your life and if you're out there and you want to do something bigger or better or if you're a little bit discontented which is not to say that you're miserable but maybe you just want more out of life then you should consider a quest and so I'm trying to tell people exactly how they can do it
1: what is the difference between a hobby a goal and a quest
0: hobby is something that you do for fun a hobby is something that you just something you enjoy a quest is something that you create structure around you create some parameters around i think i gave an example in the book if you go and play golf every now and then that's fine that's a hobby if you start playing golf like every weekend and really start trying to improve your ability maybe going to a bunch of different courses or something then starting to take on more of a passion or an obsession but if you say i want to go and play golf at every course in scotland for example and i believe there's a lot of courses in scotland and you're going to do this in x you know period of time because every good goal has a deadline then that's when it becomes a quest so again the structure helps a lot when i started traveling i just loved to travel it wasn't like i had a goal associated to it but once i said okay how many countries are there in the world and how much time would it take to go to all of them how much money would it cost what are the other costs and uncertainties what are the dangers what are the benefits you know that's when it made it much more real to me so that's what a quest is all about
1: In the book you suggest if someone has ever felt a strange sense of sadness or alienation they should shift this feeling to a sense of purpose. Would you be willing to explain this and tell the listeners how they can shift to a sense of purpose?
0: I think what I mean by that strange sense of alienation—it goes to that word discontent that I used a few moments ago—and probably should define that a little bit better. So it's good that you followed up on it. You know, when I say discontented, I believe that most people in the Western world, most people listening to this podcast, first of all, we've got a lot of stuff going for us, and we have pretty good lives. You know, most of us, I would suggest, don't have to worry about what we're going to eat tomorrow or how we're going to pay the basic bills of our life. It doesn't mean we're wealthy, but it just means that we're doing okay. So with that I think comes some greater questions. And greater questions is okay. What are we doing with our lives? What are we building? What are we working toward? We do have a certain element of free time, and we also want to invest in ourselves. We want to learn and improve. That's why we listen to podcasts like Star of the Dots. That's why we read books. We want to make a difference in our lives. So if you're in that position, you have to then go from saying, "Okay, I want to improve." You know, I want to escape that sense of alienation or discontent. You have to connect it to something. You have to connect it to something tangible. And so what I tried to show in in the book, and not just in the book, but in my work in general, I like to look at people who are pursuing these big adventures, and I like to look and see, here's how they found something, they've kind of attached some meaning to this, they've given themselves a challenge. It is a big challenge, usually, but it's also not impossible. It's something that's difficult, but not impossible. It's something that if they work to it over time, they are going to achieve that. And what I found was that, in almost every case, all of these different people discovered that pursuing the quest or making this adventure part of their daily lives really did bring greater purpose and greater meaning to their life
1: to stick on discontent you say that discontent is the match and inspiration is the kindling right. explain this and how listeners can use discontent and inspiration to light their fire
0: well maybe it's best to do this in the form of a story so there's a wonderful story in the book about a woman named Sasha Martin, and Sasha lives in Oklahoma City. She actually grew up overseas, so she had a really international perspective, but then she married this guy and had a kid and kind of settled down. So the kid is pretty young, it's her newborn daughter, and she wants to find a way to bring up her daughter with an international perspective, even though, you know, she's living in Oklahoma City, can't really travel a lot. So she also had a culinary arts degree, and she decided, I can't visit every country in the world, but I can make a meal from every country in the world. So she turned this into her quest over the course of three years. Her daughter Ava's first solid food was Afghan chicken. And then every week after that, Sasha's making a different meal from a different country, getting her husband involved. Eventually community is getting involved. She starts publishing her recipes online on a website. People started following along. So it became this transformative project for her family. Something that she did right where she was. It wasn't something that required her to fly around the world or whatever. But she was initially discontented in the sense that She was trying to figure out how to solve this riddle. Nothing wrong with Oklahoma, but I don't want to bring my daughter up with only a perspective of what's around us in this culture. I want her to know about the world in general. That was the discontent. And then the match, the inspiration came in the form of thinking, okay, what am I good at? What am I qualified in? What am I interested in? And that was cooking. And so then she put all these things together and came up with this great project that, as I said, has changed her life and changed the life of her family three years in.
1: Yeah, the book is full of great stories like that, too.
0: Well, thank you. It's been fun. It was I mean, for me, one of the best parts about it was talking to all these really fascinating, interesting people. There was a guy who walked across America. He was just a young guy, and he just kind of felt this stirring. He had this crazy idea, like, I want to walk across America. And, you know, at first, it's just something that he was like, well, I'm probably never going to do that. You know, people don't just do something like that. But he couldn't stop thinking about it. And a lot of the people in the book, they talked about that. They had this idea. It seemed kind of crazy or, or outlandish or almost like a thing nobody ever does. But then they couldn't stop thinking about it. So he finally decided to pursue that journey in over seven and a half months he did walk from maine all the way to the san francisco bay area and lots of other stuff like that i mean they're not all as i said they're not all travel quests they're not all like walking across countries a lot of them are very relatable things that anyone can do
1: And there seems to be one theme that goes through all of those stories, that there was a little bit of discontent, something they couldn't get out of their mind, and they moved forward with it, so they wouldn't have any regrets about not doing it. What would you say to someone who wants to live a life with no regrets?
0: I would say that's a very powerful thing to be aware of. That's a very powerful moral or value to live by, the fear of regret and the knowledge of the fact that life is short. And if you do have a dream, then you should take that dream seriously because you're probably not going to forget about it. And even if you have fears or insecurities or things, like I certainly did and still do, but kind of what pushed me over the edge was I also had this idea of going to every country for a long time and I kept traveling, but I wasn't really ready to formally adopt that goal because I knew like once i get started there's no going back but finally what i realized was if i look ahead to the future if i think about 10 years 20 years maybe longer from now if i didn't attempt this goal i knew i would really regret it so that knowledge kind of drove things for me that kind of made me think okay that's what i have to do so you know if there's a listener who's got this idea think about that and you're trying to evaluate you know should i do this thing should i not look ahead to the future and think what if i do what if i don't and if you can honestly say like oh maybe i wouldn't care about that then that's fine maybe that's not your priority But if you have that spark if you have that sense that this is something that's important and meaningful to you Even if other people don't understand it, then that's powerful and you should pay attention to it
1: You talk a little bit about mortality in the book. How can we benefit from being aware of our own mortality?
0: Yeah, it's great transition. I meant to say something about that in the previous answer, but I felt like that was rambling too much. One of the things I noticed in talking to people, again, lots of different folks from different backgrounds, different countries, men and women, all ages, they did have a few things in common. And one of them was, I noticed that a lot of them had moved from what I call an intellectual awareness of mortality to an emotional awareness of mortality. And what I mean by that is everyone has an intellectual awareness of death. Everyone understands, like you know, everybody dies one day, right? But not not everyone has the emotional awareness of death, which is a little bit more personal. And instead of just realizing, okay, every person, generic sense, is going to die one day, a lot of the people that I talked to in the book they had this emotional awareness, okay, that someday I will die, and that my days are limited and no one really knows how much time we have. And it's not meant to be a depressing thing. And in fact, a lot of them found it an inspiring thing. A lot of it a lot of them found that having this emotional awareness of mortality did push them toward their project or their quest or their adventure gave them something to hold on to and when time for hard in particular and they thought you know why am i doing this they thought about things like regret they thought about things like discontent and inspiration and why they began and motivations and then they also thought like i want to make my life count for something while i'm here and so that's why i'm going to do this
1: good At Pioneer Nation, you tied the theme of that event to the Oregon Trail and Mm -hmm. how what the people who were there were like the pioneers on the Oregon Trail. And you consider yourself a modern-day explorer, so (laughs) I imagine you're familiar with historic explorers. Meriwether Lewis struggled to find purpose once the Corps of Discovery expedition to the Pacific Ocean was over. And just like Meriwether Lewis, you've completed an epic quest. How do you adjust after the sense of purpose of being on a quest is gone?
0: Yeah. Wonderful question. This is something that I thought about for myself and also in many of the people that I talked to in this project. It's tough. I mean, it's tough because once you complete something that you have really focused on for a long period of time, then it's almost like a a part of your identity has been removed and you still have plenty of other parts of identity, but there's just been this thing that you've been doing for a long period of time. And, you know, in my case, it was always like, here's Chris, he's this guy, he's going to every country in the world, right? That was my identity. And at the end, I mean, there's lots of other stuff I could work Done, but then it was kind of like, okay, what's next, as you said. So I feel like it's really important to have a time of processing. Different people do that in different ways. Some people are more introverted or extroverted. Some people really like to kind of talk it out with folks. Other people, maybe more into meditation or prayer or something more inward focused. And then I think there's you know, maybe a little bit of time period that has to pass. And I think after a while, you have to think, okay, that was great that I did that, but I want to do more with my life, right? So in my case, for me, it's more of a focus of how can I best serve people? Because this quest was transformative as I said changed my life gave me an appreciation for all kinds of stuff that really didn't even understand before I began so what do I do with that and I feel a sense of responsibility again not meant to be a heavy word just responsibility in the sense that I feel very fortunate I have a great life I try to live with gratitude and so the next question is how can I take this experience and then apply it in a way that hopefully makes the world a better place
1: So you used to be introduced as this is Chris and he's traveling to all the countries in the world. How would somebody introduce you now?
0: Well, it's a great question, Jody, because I feel like, you know, right now I'm still coming off it like it was just last year. And now, we, you know, we have this book about Quest, So it is kind of natural to be like, oh, here's the guy who visited, past tense, every country in the world. And so that's fine. But I feel like it's not super healthy to do that for a long period of time. Have you ever known somebody who did something really great like a long time ago, but yet they're still talking about that. <laughs> that's all they talk about, whether it was their high school football team or their military service or some experience they had like back in their glory days. And you can tell they're, they're kind of still stuck there. And it's like, You know, I don't want to be stuck. I want to make sure that hopefully whatever I do next is at least as good as that.
1: I think the best example of that is Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. right. Well, some people know you for World Domination Summit, some people know you from your popular blog, and some people follow you because you are a good writer. If you don't mind, I'd like to examine the writing purpose or the writing process of The Happiness of Pursuit. It's filled with interesting stories of people and quests from all over the world, and each story builds on your own story. Can you tell us a bit about the process of gathering all these stories and compiling them in a way that lends to the purpose of the book
0: Well, exactly what you mentioned was the goal of the book. I didn't want to just have the bunch of stories. And I also didn't want to just have my story. And the goal, at least, is to create a narrative, you know, is to look at all this different stuff and say, okay, what does it have in common? And how can we build towards something? What's the right balance of my story versus other people's story? I mean, those are the kind of things that I'm always thinking through. And whether I completely succeeded in in that or not is is up for readers to judge. But I guess for this process, I started with thinking about people that I knew who had undertaken quests and big adventures. Then I started with my community. I kind of put the word out and said, hey, here's this new project I'm doing. It's a little bit like $100 startup in the sense that I'm using a case study model, but the topic or the content is very different. Who can you refer to me? And then one thing kind of leads to another or one person leads to another, and that was about a two-year process of research and, and initial writing. And then I did get a little bit stuck, actually, I have to be honest, in the writing of this book because it's a more personal book than I've done before. So I believe I was about four months late, I think, in submitting my manuscripts, and that's the first time that that's ever happened I usually kind of pride myself on meeting those deadlines. So it was a little humbling to actually have to go to my publisher and say, like, like, I feel like I'm on the right track, but I actually need a little bit more time to make sure it's good. So we did push back the pub date a few months until now. So hopefully that's probably better in the long term. I mean, it's a stronger product, but it did take me a little bit more effort than it normally does.
1: Another author that I enjoyed, Jeff Goins, he uses the case studies or stories from other people in his books as well. Why do you think case studies are good to build on the purpose of a book?
0: Because case studies show people something relatable. Case studies show people that there's all kinds of people in the world who've done this. Like assuming you're doing some kind of prescriptive writing where you are trying to persuade the reader of something, you are trying to say like, look, you know, people can start these small businesses without spending a lot of money. People can begin a new career in writing, which is something that Jeff is really passionate about communicating. And the danger of not having the case studies is that you're only speaking from your own experience. And so one, your experience is limited. Each one of us only has our own worldview. And then also the reader may not be able to relate to just one person you know the reader can say oh that's great you know that jeff has been able to become a published author but i could never do that or it's great that chris was able to travel but that's not really my thing so i I feel like there's so much power in collecting a whole lot of different stories and saying well here's so and so here's so and so you know here's sasha in oklahoma she wasn't able to go to every country in the world but look at this incredible project that she built for herself and her family that's where i feel like the power of the stories comes in
1: good well as we wrap up here who is doing something that interests you
0: Well, that's a great question. Who's doing something that interests me? It's a lot of people. I'm just going to try to think about if I could give you one or two of them or something. Uh, you know, one of the people I met in the book, I mean, there's a lot of people. If people get the book, there's an appendix of, like, cast of characters. There's, like, 50 people there listed what their project is and how they can connect with them, their social media and all that stuff. But in addition to Sasha's story, I really like the story of Robin Divine. She's in Omaha, I believe. She's knitting 10,000 hats. That's her project. And you read more about it on her blog or in the book, but you can actually go to her website and sign up, and she'll eventually send you one of these free hats. But I think this is a fun project, and there's a whole charity component behind it. So Robin is the first person I'll think of.
1: Good. You mentioned the cast of characters in your book, and when I saw that, I actually thought, you know, networking is a hot word, hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. I thought, what if you just forgot networking and created a cast of characters for your life?
0: Yeah, that's great. There's a whole blog post or maybe even a book in that concept, so feel free to run with that.
1: Yeah, well, good. Where can our listeners find you online?
0: Oh, you know, they can go to chrisgilliveau.com, which no one can ever spell. But they could also try artofnonconformity.com. That would take them to me. Or they can type in happiness of pursuit or any other number of things like that, and they should be able to find me.
1: All right. Thanks, Chris.
0: Thanks a lot, Jody. Mm If you do have a dream, then you should take that dream seriously because you're probably not going to forget about it. And even if you have fears or insecurities or things like I certainly did and still do. But kind of what pushed me over the edge was I also had this idea of going to every country for a long time and I kept traveling. But I wasn't really ready to formally adopt that goal because I knew like once I get started, there's no going back.